Life Audio. Hey, it's time for Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and I will be right with you in just a moment. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. After this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. I am Cynthia Garrett, and this is the place where I have the great pleasure of having real talk with real girls about real issues. And you know what we're all doing? We're trying to walk in real faith. And uh, I believe that it takes a lot of faith to get through each and every day. So that's what we do around here every week. And whether you're watching us on live stream at uh, through CynthiaGarrett.org or at Cynthia Garrett Ministries YouTube channel, um, or whether you're listening on podcast, I am blessed to have you with me every week on this journey. And for those of you who were here last week, we started a dialogue uh, with some of my beautiful Girl Club tribe about identity and pruning and transition and waiting seasons and some really powerful and interesting stuff that I think that we all go through, all of us, no matter what season of life you're in, whether you're just starting out and you're, you know, a 20 something or a teenager, or whether you feel like you're, you know, in the middle to life, you know, in your fifties, sixties, seventies, even eighties. My question is, What are you going to do with the life that you have left? How are you going to live it? How are you going to think about yourself? And are you going to realize your full potential? Are you going to live the life that is going to make you say at the end of it, yeah, I did everything I wanted to do and I was, I was blessed in it and I blessed others and um, I lived out my dreams, but There's an interesting road to getting to that. And it has a lot to do with the seasons of your life where you just feel like you are nowhere and you have no idea where you're going. And I I know that you will notice that there's no one in studio with me um, for this particular episode. Uh, The girls are taking a little bit of a holiday for the summer. And I just really felt led to 
talk to you from the heart about this most important topic, because for those of you who watch from all around the world, I know that you're all going through things and mostly you're wanting to know what to do with the rest of the life you have left. You know, how do you live it and how are you successful in it? So I got started on this interesting um, train of thought, I guess you might say, about a week ago when Christina Reynolds, who's one of my Girl Club Tribe members, was here visiting with my husband and I, um, with her husband, CJ. And in the course of hanging out, you know, we always have some really deep and great conversations. Um, Iron does sharpen iron, you guys. So, you know, you got to be in fellowship with other believers because the worst thing you can do is to surround yourself with people that aren't thinking on very high levels and very deep levels because a mind is a terrible thing to waste and a life is an even worse thing to waste. And I got to tell you, a lot of people spend their lives surrounded by people that don't challenge their mind in any way. You know, their life is not challenged or questioned in any way. And so I like those friends that uh, my husband and I have in our life who challenge us, you know, to become all that we can be. And so one day, Christina's husband was about the third person in the week to comment on uh, these beautiful hedges of hydrangea that I have in front of our house. I mean, they're like perfect. They form um, sort of walls and rows and they kind of give shape and definition to the front of our home and our driveway. And, you know, it's really cool. But the interesting thing is, I, I, you know, he was, like I said, like the third or fourth person to say to me, wow, those are so beautiful. Look at the big, beautiful flowers on them and blah, blah, blah. And I, I looked at him and I said, you know, what's really interesting when we bought this house a year ago, those were big green bushes. They didn't have any flowers on them and they'd gotten really tall. And to be honest with you guys, I thought that they were weeds because we got these really big weed plants at our home in Kansas one year. And, you know, for those of you who live in a certain kind of climate, like I do, then you know that uh, weeds can actually take over and they, they start to look like, you know, like shrubbery that someone planted, but you know, they're not, they're weeds. So I decided to cut them all down. So I had my uh, gardener, when he was over mowing the lawn one day, I, I said, hey, can you cut all those down? They're just a mess. It's, I, I, I guess there's just a bunch of weeds and, you know, just cut everything down and and um, maybe next year I'll plant flowers. So he cuts everything down. We go into the winter and, you know, there's a few little sticks or whatever sticking up from the ground. And I figured, you know, those would die off and what have you. And so then, you know, the spring rolls around and they start to grow back. And I, I kept thinking, well, I guess I better cut them down. But this is odd. It looks like they're going to flower. Interesting. So I, I go away and we come back a few weeks later. And the next thing you know, I come back to all these beautiful flowers, like these weed plants, which I thought they were weed plants, um, had come back and now they were even and they were shaped and they had gorgeous flowers on them. And so I said to, to CJ, Christina's husband, I said, isn't it crazy? You know, I mean, I cut them all down and he looked at me and he goes, 
no, you pruned them. And I said, what do you mean? I No, I didn't prune them, CJ. I cut them down. He goes, no, you pruned them. They're hydrangeas. They were never weeds. And I looked at him and then all of a sudden, you know, the Holy Spirit starts just completely dropping information into my mind and my heart. And all of a sudden I'm standing there and I'm realizing that I had pruned what I thought were weeds and they came back as they actually were in full identity with these beautiful hydrangea bulb blossoms that now are the envy of anyone who comes over to our house. And I realized that it's a lot like God does with us when he's pruning us. And CJ looked at me and so wisely, he said, isn't that interesting? And I said, yeah, I didn't even know their identity until they were pruned. I had no idea what that thing was until it was completely cut back and pruned and all of the mess was cut off of it and all of the things that weren't shaped right were shaped. When that happened, all of a sudden, these beautiful flowers and plants could actually grow as they were supposed to grow. And I got to tell you, I have been asking myself for days now, so what is the metaphor for this, God? Am I in a season of pruning? Is that season of pruning really, you know, exactly what it's like for all of us? And so I started really thinking about all of you, all my Girl Club members, guys and girls alike. And I started really thinking about all of the things that a lot of you ask yourself, you know, am I actually too old to be pruned? Like I thought I was too old to be pruned. And then some of you think you're too young to be pruned. And then some of you don't even know what pruning is. And we never really like being pruned um, because I think as you go through life, you start to feel like, well, you know, I've already made my choices and decisions about who I am and where I'm going. I can't go anywhere else. I can't grow anymore. Maybe some of you think you can't change and you don't even know how to change if you need to. And so all of a sudden it just sent me on a mission to really study what pruning in God's kingdom actually is. Because you know what? If cutting off the ugly has to occur for all of the beauty of what God created us to be, to flourish and shine and become this marvel that people, you know, applaud and uh, love. If all of that, if that process is necessary to become the thing that God created you to be, isn't it worth it? You know, and so I started studying a couple of people I really admire, one of whom is Alan Hood, actually, from the International House of Prayer. And there's something that, you know, he, he did a great teaching, if he'd even remember this, you know, I, I, he did a great teaching back in 2016 about pruning. And so I just wanted to kind of go through it and share some things, because we've been right here talking about this on Girl Club the last couple of weeks. And I just think it's 
so important for each and every one of us to be able to find the strength to get out of bed every day, especially when we're in a transition season, a season of waiting, when we're stuck in a cocoon and we're struggling inside like a butterfly so that we can emerge with our wings strong and bright and vivid and full of colors. The first thing that you have to realize is that, and I realized this, I realized it because when I realized how deep it was, the whole thing with my hydrangeas, I looked at CJ and I said, I cannot wait to cut them back again. I'm so excited because that means that next season, they're going to come back even more beautiful. Like, And now I really understand what it means to prune plants and fruit trees and, and, and your garden. Because when you get rid of the bad stuff, the beautiful stuff can live and blossom. So the first thing I realized is I was really excited and I was going to cut these bushes down again to the ground next month, right? When it's time before the winter, but it wasn't a punishment. I was doing it because I have this love and this expectation of more for those plants, more for next season, more beauty for me to look at, more beauty to share with everybody else in the neighborhood. And so lesson number one Pruning isn't a punishment for a Christian. It's a reward. God is actually the vine dresser who prunes the life of everybody who abides in Christ and bears the fruit of Christ. See, spiritual pruning enhances spiritual growth by removing whatever inhibits our spiritual growth. And through much of life, we're, we're told that things don't hurt. The reality is that sometimes things do hurt, you know, and there's a quote from St. Augustine on the issue of suffering. And I, and I, and I love this quote. And it, it says, the same miseries send some to heaven and others to hell. The test of, of suffering separates the wheat from the chaff in the church of God. And those who in times of tribulation humble themselves to the will of God are wheat for paradise. But those who grow haughty and enraged and so forsake God are chaff for hell. That's so powerful. Listen to that. Because I know that when you're being pruned, when you're in a cocoon, when you're in a dark place of transition and it's now just you and, and your God alone, or you and your thoughts alone, which is a scary thing, then you know, and I know that you're suffering sometimes. But the test of suffering separates the wheat from the chaff in the church of God. See, those who in times of tribulation will humble themselves to the will of God, you become wheat for paradise. You become wheat, food that God can feed everyone and everything around you with. But if you grow haughty and angry, full of rage and arrogant and over it and impatient, and forsake God, then you become chaff for hell because that's the only thing you're fit for. Nothing else can benefit from you. You know, in John 15 verses one through eight, Jesus was preparing the disciples for an intense three days of trial and disillusionment, right? Satan was coming, but he had no foothold in Christ. He didn't. Jesus gave him no foothold. But the coming trouble would reveal the fault lines and the character issues that were actually deep in the disciples' hearts. 
So Jesus instructed the disciples of the necessity of abiding in him during the shaking and the trial by giving an allegory of a vine and its branches. And you guys know, you've heard me quote this before. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Jesus is the vine. The father is the vine dresser and believers are the branches attached to the vine. And, and, and you know, the scripture, you know, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me, I will abide in you and you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do no good thing. Well, just as the life of the branch is contained in the vine, so too the life of the believer is found in Jesus Christ. He's actually our life source. And it's only by abiding in him that a believer can be fruitful in his or her faith. So when you're in that place of being pruned, you don't want to stop turning your eyes to Christ, turning your heart to Christ. You don't want to stop holding his hand because then you'll be like a butterfly in a cocoon struggling, but you're struggling without purpose. And you have to understand that the struggle of a butterfly in a cocoon has great purpose because it's giving its wings strength. It's contributing to what it's going to become when it emerges from the cocoon, this beautiful creature and flies away. Well, Jesus then introduced the disciples to an important aspect of abiding in him, pruning. It's the action taken by a gardener to cut away or to lop off any growth on a branch or a tree that's undesirable in order to produce more long-term growth. In the following days, the disciples were going to be pruned. You know, that was a crazy time for them. Imagine they've walked around with Jesus. They experienced him one-on-one. They knew his love. They knew his wisdom. They knew his miracles. And they were about to get completely shaken when they watched him die at human hands. While in their minds, they had to be thinking, but he's God. He's the son of God. He's God made manifest on earth. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit who was to come. They were still yet to find that out. They didn't really understand, even though they understood. So in those days, you know, the disciples were going to be pruned. A lot was going to be cut away as they experienced great loss, great fear, and probably great disillusionment. So you might be asking yourself, like I asked myself, standing in my driveway, looking at the hydrangeas. So God, how do I recognize if I'm in a season of pruning? Ask yourself, you know, how do you recognize if you're in a season of pruning? Have you ever wondered how to know if you're in a season of pruning? I have. A lot of times in our various trials, we find ourselves really confused You know, whether our circumstances are the result of the devil's rage, of our own sin, of the community's compromise, or God's sovereign orchestration. Seriously, in the face of great trial, we often fail to know whether to rebuke the enemy, repent of sin, confront the community, surrender to God's molding process, or all of the above. Like, it's confusing. I really sometimes wonder myself, so I know you have to. I've learned that my humanness and the things I struggle with are not unique to me. And that's why I know that there are a whole lot of you listening and watching who've gone through this and are going through this. You know, you're there, you feel alone, and you're wondering in the middle of your trial, like trial, 
challenge, pain, struggle. God, what is the problem? You know, am, am I supposed to rebuke the enemy and stand in faith and fight fight Satan? Or is there some sin that allowed this in? Am I supposed to repent of sin? Or is it the community of believers I'm in? Am I supposed to confront the community? Or am I supposed to surrender to some molding process God has me in? Or is it some combination of all of the above? Well, just as nobody wonders whether or not a vine or a tree has been pruned, seasons of pruning are easily discernible. They really are. So I'm going to give you, give you something so you know where you are. The primary indicator for a season of pruning is the suffering of loss. A season of pruning brings a loss of finances. It can bring a loss of possessions. It can bring a loss of impact, a loss of influence, a loss of position or stature, a loss of relationship or opportunity. To be pruned is to lose the very basis upon which everyone around you measures you as successful. So various trials diminish resources and they make secondary and a lot less important pursuits impossible. I mean, when you're in a pruning process and you're going through great trials, you may not have the resources to, you know, pursue other things. And those other things might even become completely unimportant or secondary to what you're going through in the moment. The process of loss on multiple fronts produces a lot of weariness. You know, it produces fear. It produces despair. And then you know what happens, you know, when you feel weary and fearful and you feel full of despair, the temptation comes then for you to give up or to draw back into seemingly safe, comfortable or controlled environments. You know, it's uh, this faith walk thing out here. It's like walking through the wild west sometimes. In the vulnerable moments of pruning, the tempter, our enemy, Satan, whispers to you to give up, to draw back from the purpose of God. Can you imagine the words of Satan, the evil one? Call him what you want, but can you imagine the words that were, were spoken to Peter after his denial of Christ? Peter, upon whom the Lord said, I will build my, my, my church. Can you imagine what the enemy said in Peter's mind? The, the, the sentences and the phrases that Peter was tempted to make covenant with, to embrace, to agree with? Peter, you failed beyond repair. Your life had so much promise and now you've gone and wasted it all. Fisher of men, ha! Go home, Peter. Go back to your old life. Go, just go back to your old ways before the master called you. At least you could succeed at that. Listen, I'm telling you, I have been there. <laughs> I've been there, you know, where you're just, all of a sudden you start glamorizing the life that you wanted to change for the deeper things of God. You know, you start glamorizing and looking back. It's like the Israelites in the wilderness, because let's face it, pruning 
is it, 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 it puts you in a wilderness. Even the seasons in which we prune, certainly my hydrangeas, comes right before the winter comes, where everything is barren and brown and it's dead and it's cold and it looks like a wasteland, the wilderness. It's that season of transition, though, that wilderness. It's that season where everything's been cut back. There's no fruit. There's no flower. There's no leaves. It's that season that prepares the plant, the fruit to blossom again, though, in the spring. So while you're tempted to go back to your old life before you were called to serve God, to live for Christ, you know, you might want to stop and think again because we all go through it. But the reward goes to the one who gets past it, right? After the resurrection, you know, Peter resisted the tempter and he gave an exhortation to the church about the testing of one's faith that proves its genuineness. Did you catch that? Listen again. The testing of our faith proves its genuineness, not its disingenuineness. That's so important because I think for a lot of you, 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 and myself included, you know, you get into a season and a moment where your faith is being tested and all of a sudden all you feel is like you're, like you're a faker, you know, you feel disingenuine, but the reality is the reason why you're being tested is because you're the most genuine of all. And in this, you got to greatly rejoice. You got to greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire in a moment, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. So scripture, let me, let me just restate that because I think it's important. In all of this stuff, this wilderness, these trials, you greatly need to rejoice because even though now for a little while, if need be, you've been attacked by various trials, know that the genuineness of your faith is much more precious than gold that perishes. And though you're being tested by fire, you'll be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus in your life, whom, even though you haven't seen him, you've chosen to love him. Though now you don't see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. That comes from 1 Peter 1 verses 6 to 9. And I just, I love that passage because faith is a choice. It's a choice that we make every day through everything we're going through, through uh, elections and political seasons of our life that just um, basically are cuckoo. And in making that choice, we will go through things but it's the choice we need to keep going back to even as we go through things. Paul also encourages us not to grow weary in doing good and that through many tribulations, the saints always receive the kingdom. James, another one, he exhorts us to be patient in endurance and establish our hearts for the coming of the Lord. How about the letter to the Hebrews about faith? Whoa, 
The letter to the Hebrews warns us not to draw back in the day of trial. Going back to the comfort of a risk-free life is not an option. I mean, it is an option, but it's not really an option for those of you who have chosen to truly embrace your faith and to press on. For those of you who know that no matter what you're going through, turning around and going backwards is not going to make you feel better about yourself. It's going to make you feel worse. Thus, therefore, the pruning season demands refocus without retreat. Whoa. Now that is so important. The pruning season demands refocus without retreat. You cannot retreat from a pruning season, but what you can do is make the most of it so that you emerge victorious by refocusing. And the best, you know, when I refocus with Christ at the center of it, I always come out swinging. I always come out victorious. But you got to be really careful, Christian. The evil one comes in the weak state of the pruning process to confuse us and derail us by having us reinterpret the previous season. Now, this is a really important point. The evil one, he comes when you're in a weak place, when you're in a pruning wilderness transition moment, you're in a cocoon. That's when he comes, comes in your mind. He may come through some attack through someone else or through some event or situation. And he comes in that process while you're weak because that's when he's got the best opportunity to actually confuse you and derail you by having you look at the previous season and reinterpret it. What does that mean? It means your enemy wants you to look at the prior seasons of your life, whether you had victory in them or not, and he wants you to completely get them wrong. He wants you to interpret them in the wrong way. He wants you to see God is not present, to see your faith as a joke, to see your life as a joke. But in our season of loss, know this, the father of lies is whispering in our ears some very powerful stuff. Some of that stuff sounds like this, you know, look what you did. You've wasted your time. Oh, you've wasted your money. Well, you should have listened to your family and friends back home. How could you have given yourself to this? You know, You've never heard God anyway. You failed again. You failed again. Nothing derails a believer quicker than the loss of vision and a wrongly interpreted season. I'm going to say it again because it's important that you really hear it. Nothing will derail you quicker than the loss of vision and a wrongly interpreted season. Your adversary comes to try to hinder your ability to perceive the fruit of the last season as well as the hope of bearing fruit in the next season. I say it again. Your enemy comes to try to hinder you and attack you so that he can hinder your ability to perceive the fruit of the last season of your life as well as your hope of bearing fruit in the next season. Isn't it just like an enemy? They come in and they want you to look at what happened at the last battle as not actually having been the victory that you probably know it was. And if you can't see victory in the last season of your life, then you need to sit down prayerfully and you need to say, God, show me my impact in the last season of my life. What did I do right? Show me some fruit. 
you should have some. But more than anything, the stealing of hope, the stealing of your hope that you'll bear fruit in the next season, starting right now today, that is about the greatest attack that the enemy wants to bring on each and every life on the planet today. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, the Bible says. Hopelessness is a disease that has plagued many nations. And there are so many reasons for the hopelessness that a lot of people around the world feel, that a lot of people in in this country feel. Why? Why the hopelessness? Well, you know, when you don't have any faith, it's hard to have hope. Hope and faith are almost synonymous words to me. You know, Satan is attempting to steal the right interpretation of your last season because if he can do that, then he can get you doubting God as you try to walk into your next season. He wants you to interpret your season of loss as the result of your failure and the Lord's abandonment of you. Yet nothing, nothing, nothing is further from the truth. You're not being pruned because you failed. You're being pruned because you're succeeding. Why? Because only the fruitful branches are pruned. That's why I can't wait to go prune my hydrangeas again this year so that next year they can be even better. You're not being pruned. For those of you watching, girl, boy, male, female, man, woman, if you're listening on podcast, if you're watching as I stream, you're not being pruned because you failed, but because you're succeeding and your best days are in front of you. The loss that many of you are experiencing is not the result of your failure. It's not. It's the result of your success. The good news is that more fruit is just around the corner. And I can't even begin to tell you how much this impacted me to really sit with this truth that that I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me, you know, to sit and actually think, wait a minute, of course the enemy wants me to wake up and feel off and bad and question what I'm doing and where I'm going and, and why. That's what he wants to do to all of us. He wants to steal your joy so that you wake up, you know, feeling hopeless. Because if he can do that, he can get you to focus on yourself as some sort of failure. Especially while you're in a season where you may not be seeing where you want to go. You may not be seeing the fruit of your current season. All you may see is the inside of a cocoon, the wilderness, a season of transition. You know, we started this year here on Girl Club really talking about the fact that this was a year of change, a season of transition. And I can't even begin to tell you how prophetic it was because Christina, Christina, Nova, and I have all gone through transition and change like nobody's business. And and I know, and we know, that so have so many of you. But what we're going through isn't the result of failure. It's the result of our succeeding. We're succeeding. You're succeeding. You're here. 
I know it's upside down logic for a lot of you because faith eyes don't see the logic of the world. We see the logic of God. So I want to encourage you to put on your eyes of faith, put on your ears of faith, put on your heart of faith, put on your mind of faith. That's about the only way that you can get through the myriad of challenges that will come in many different seasons of your life, because you will need to return to the cocoon and get those wings stronger more than once. You know, for for some of you, it might be a daily process right now. For others, it might be, oh, wow, it's been a couple of years. I'm back here in this wilderness again. I'm in this cocoon again. For some of you who get strong in your faith, every time you return to that cocoon, every time those challenges and those trials come and that wilderness season comes and that transition is happening that you know is happening, that may be for many of you who are mature in the faith, a place where you actually find joy because you know that this suffering produces in us a greater weight of eternal glory. And that eternal glory shines forth from us everywhere we go, in everything we do, and in everyone we speak to. I just had the blessing of doing a podcast called Ready, Willing, and Able, A-B-E-L, hosted by a woman named um, Barbara Barna Able. And she is uh, she's a longtime powerhouse in Hollywood. She was one of the heads of talent at a music channel called VH1. At the time, it had become the biggest thing on television. And she gave me my first job on television. And on this podcast, which is a secular podcast, right? It's not necessarily Christian or faith-based. It's just inspiring and motivational. But Barb works with a lot of women and men all over the country, uh, CEOs, executives, Fortune 500 companies, influencers, young talent, actors, actresses. She works with them to help them find the authenticity of their voice and to help them with their careers and and to get them to understand that with this digital age that we live in, all the world is a stage. And so you've got to know how to represent yourself, to represent your opinion, to speak your truth. And what she saw in me was great growth and change from the young girl that she met many, many years ago. And it was so interesting because she said basically that the thing that always impacted her had to do with my faith, with the strength of my faith and the ability to live out my truth. And I got to tell you, at the time I knew her, I was a baby. I was a baby believer. I was a a young girl who still had a lot to learn and a lot of things to go through. And there were probably a lot of people around me. Well, there certainly would have been a lot of Christians around me who would have looked at me at that stage of my journey and said, oh my goodness, she'll never be on pulpits around the world preaching to 40 and 50,000 people at a time at conferences. She'll never be, you know, sharing the gospel. But you know, That reality teaches me something, and it taught me something joyful as I spoke on her podcast. It taught me to remember that 
whether someone is a believer or not a believer, wherever they are on their journey, it's not our job to predetermine where they're going, which is what judgment does. It cuts people off at the knees. It's our job to invest time in them if we're called to, because love is spelled T-I-M-E. And it's our opportunity to plant seeds of faith from a loving heart, from the kindness of the wisdom that we have gained in our seasons of pruning. And it's, it's an opportunity, you know, to reach the world with a gospel of love and truth and with the fact that no one, no one can save us. No one can change us. No one can get us through like Jesus Christ can. He's just everything. God is real. And every opportunity that you have to share the realness of who God is with someone, I just encourage you to do it. So I'm going to sign off for this week's Girl Club. I'm going to leave you with lots of love and prayers that you would have your own individual breakthroughs, that you would embrace whatever season of life you're in. And if you feel like you're in some crazy wilderness being pruned right now, don't fight it. Just hold on. Keep struggling with it. Keep asking God the questions because that stuff is it's making your wings strong. It's giving you the beautiful, vibrant colors that you're going to emerge from this cocoon season with. But don't fight the fact that you're there because being there is about your very life. It's about your very soul. It's about the calling on your life. And it's about everybody that your life is impacting on a day-to-day basis. I'm Cynthia Garrett. Thanks for joining me on Girl Club. Thanks to Life Audio for supporting this podcast and all the great podcasts that you can find there. And from us real girls who like to have real talk about real issues while seeking to apply our real faith, I ask you to please comment on podcasts. If you're listening, comment, send us in a comment, share us, like us. If you're watching on Cynthia Garrett Ministries YouTube channel, send in your comments. We want to we want to know what you think. We want to hear from you. And don't forget to like us, subscribe, and share us. I'll see you next week. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.